I'm Laura Farrar. This is Capital and Scott. This summer, Arkansas farmers have endured one of the worst droughts in at least a decade. Conditions have been so dry and temperatures so high that Governor Asa Hutchinson appealed to the federal government for emergency assistance. This week's episode is the first of a two-part series focusing on climate change and the extreme weather in recent months and how it's impacting the state's most vital industry, farming. Hallie Schaffner is a sixth-generation farmer in the Arkansas Delta. Her family's farm has been located near Newport and Jackson County since the mid-1800s. I visited SFR Seed to learn firsthand how changing weather patterns are impacting farmers in the Delta. Schaffner and I started off the visit wading around in about three inches of water in a rice paddy. What is this? What are we looking at here? So this is a, a field of Carolina Gold, which is a niche variety of rice. It's very popular in restaurants in the East and the West Coast. We grow it uh, both to be milled for actual consumption, and we also grow it to purify the seed stock for people to grow it the following year. Um, Carolina Gold, there's not a whole lot of it in the country because it's really hard to grow. This is probably the tallest rice you'll ever see. Um, it's very specialized. It yields maybe a third to 50% of a normal rice yield. Uh, and it takes a lot more inputs as well. But it's really delicious. Um, it's got this kind of nut, sort of nutmeg flavor to it. It's really great. What is the season for growing this? Like when does it, when do you start with planting and then harvesting? Is it kind of year round or how does that work? We plant in April uh, and then we'll harvest in September. Um, this rice is actually heading out, you can see. It's um, gonna start grain filling really soon. Um, over there, we actually have a tall one we need to pull out, but this is a very crucial time for us in terms of water and heat. Right now, um, we experienced this a little bit last year. It gets so hot that the nighttime temperatures don't go down. That's been a real issue for us in the summer. Rice needs the nighttime temperatures to decrease in order to have productive grain filling. When that doesn't happen, it's not necessarily the yield will be affected. You may still get the same amount, but your milling quality will be lower. And we did see that in many places in the state last year, including on our farm. So we're very concerned about the drought and the heat wave as it pertains to this crucial growth period in our rice. Sure. And so what do you do? <laughs> it's oh, been so gosh, hot. Um, there's, I mean, obviously, so we're looking at this field of beautiful green. How do you keep it looking like this? Or what are some of the challenges that you would face with managing a crop like this? The biggest issue we have is weed pressure. Uh, I mean, that's partially what the flood is for. So flood rice, you keep about a three inch flood on it. Um, it helps with your weed control. Um, obviously rice also likes wet feet. I mean, it's a, it's, it needs a lot of water. Pumping a lot of water under rice this time of year is getting very, very expensive. Um, so we are thinking about different ways that we can grow rice that wouldn't require as much water which is why we're gonna go look at our row rice soon um, because 
it's great to have weed control using a flood, but if you're using and pumping so much water uh, in a period like this where you don't have a ton of rain, it's just becoming economically unsustainable. Sure. Uh, as far as the health of the crop goes, um, we haven't really done anything differently this year. I will say that the, the wet spring that we had followed by the drought kind of screwed up our herbicide program, which is basically um, the herbicides that we put out and um, how effective they are. I mean, environmental pressures do, do affect how, uh, how effective your herbicides are in controlling your weeds. So it's not... It's not like one single rain event is necessarily going to wipe out your whole crop. It's kind of like a, a thousand little paper cuts over time is really where you're going to see uh, increased pressures, both physically on the crop and economically for us. Sure. Do you mind if we, can we walk yeah, out? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Hopefully I won't fall down. <laughs> yes, don't fall down. <laughs> You mentioned the economic cost, though, of some, like a, a crop like this in the water. Where is that coming from? So right now, um, I would say our biggest cost has been fertilizer and chemicals. A lot of that is the war in Ukraine. Fertilizers and chemicals has been a big issue for us, um, well, for everybody. I think fertilizer costs were up some 150 to 200% this year. So that was probably the worst. Uh, the other thing is diesel. So diesel has been a, a big issue, especially if you have a diesel pump. Sure. So you're pumping all this water and you're using diesel to do it. Is it directly related at all to how hot it's been this summer and the lack of rainfall that we've had for a couple of months? Like, how does that change things? It's, it's irrigation. I mean, irrigation is through the roof in terms of, I mean, we, our energy bills are insane. <laughs> Because we have electric wells and we have diesel wells. So our diesel costs are up, not just because of the war in Ukraine, but also because we have to use more of it. Right. Yeah, because someone asked me, I told them I was coming out here, and a friend of mine was like, oh, but they, we just got all that rain. They're still having a drought yep. out there? And I was like, I yep. think so. <laughs> yeah. It, it does not stop just because you get a rain or two. It kind of comes on, you sort of end the drought, I guess, kind of like you come into one over time. Sure. I think it was, it wasn't this past spring, it was the spring before. Um, it was so dry. And this is a trend that we've been experiencing. We get, we get these really wet springs early on and we can't go to the field with our equipment. It's just too muddy and all of a sudden it will dry up and when it dries up it immediately dries so quickly that you lose moisture you have to have moisture in the ground in order to put your seeds in so they germinate so we had a rain on this field and then it dried out really fast and it, um, it basically crusted over the entire field and the soybeans could not pop through the the crust um, because we didn't have another rain there wasn't a lot we could do about it. We ran a, a special cultivator through there to kind of try to break it up, but at the end of the day, maybe 40% of the plants didn't even come up. Mm -hmm. So you see all those bare spots out there? Yeah. Yep. So there's these sort of rows of soybeans, but then there'll be like a, almost like a bald patch yeah. and they just didn't, 
that's where there was a, an area that was really crusted over and the seedlings just couldn't huh. make it up. Right. We'll be right back with more Capital and Scott. Hi, this is Laura Farrar. The stories we dive into on Capital and Scott are just a fraction of the reporting the Democrat Gazette brings to readers every day. If you'd like to support our commitment to bringing you the latest in Arkansas news, sports, and entertainment, consider subscribing to the Democrat Gazette. With your subscription, you'll get a digital edition of the newspaper every morning, along with the latest news and updates delivered to you on an iPad provided at no extra cost. For just $34 a month, you'll get the same award-winning journalism you've come to expect from the Democrat Gazette, plus exclusive photo galleries, videos, articles, and digital extras like this podcast, all in the palm of your hand. To sign up today, call 1-800-482-1121 or visit us online at arkansasonline.com forward slash subscribe. Welcome back to Capital and Scott. After visiting rice, corn, and soybean fields, Schaffner and I moved inside out of the heat to talk some more. What have been the main challenges for you all? What, is it, what has it been like? The biggest challenge has been irrigation uh, because we haven't had any rain and it's been so hot. Uh, we've been having to irrigate a lot more than usual and that's definitely reflected in our bills. Uh, we have electric wells and diesel wells, so we're pumping a lot more diesel and our energy bills are much higher. As far as labor goes, uh, we're having to take a lot more breaks than usual. Um, it's harder to stay cool. And uh, you know we'll go outside and we'll have to take breaks every 20 minutes, sit in our trucks in the air conditioning for a while. Um, that worries me, obviously, because I wanna make sure my workers are safe. Um, but it also does cut down on productivity. Is it comparable to anything sort of in recent years or is it worse compared to before? Last year we had a drought. I don't think it was statewide, but I remember it being very similar. The difference now, of course, is that diesel prices are so much higher, so that um, that's hurting our bank account more. But my dad actually mentioned that this year was the worst drought that he'd ever seen since 1980. Oh, well, which is sort of famously uh, when a bunch of farmers went under because there was just absolutely no rain. I mean, how are things looking for the next month or so just in terms of what you all need to do? How concerned are you that if this extends into August, I don't know, even maybe September tends to be pretty dry in Arkansas as well. Um, what's, what, what happens or how, do, how does this affect you? We have some rain in the forecast, which is good, um, but I mean, just because it rains a couple of times after a 40-day period of no rain doesn't mean the drought's over. It may mean that you have a nice little wet spot for a couple of days, maybe three days. Um, if it continues, we will continue to pump water well into September, which is not ideal. It is extremely expensive. I mean, the bottom line will be really, really squeezed. What's, what's really disconcerting about that is the number of years in a row I feel like our bottom line has been squeezed because of extreme weather trends. I wouldn't say extreme weather events as much as it is trend, trends. 
I mean, the way farming works is you build up equity in these good years so that when you do have years that are harder on your yields, you can get by even if, even if your bottom line is squeezed. But that only works if you have significantly more good years than bad. And now we're seeing this five-year trend of being squeezed, where is the room to build up the equity to get us through next year and the year after that? Looking at that financial picture, um, is there enough government assistance or how do you adapt and, and cope with that and think, okay, what are, what are we gonna do and are we going to eventually just throw in the towel? Is it, is it worth it financially? I'm very encouraged because Senator Bozeman, who's the ranking member on the Senate Act Committee, um, he and Senator Stabnow have been really talking to farmers about risk mitigation and conservation um, as it pertains to the farm bill that's coming up. And I, I think that beefing up crop insurance is gonna be more important um, than ever. I think that putting money into conservation um, agricultural techniques is going to be important too because obviously if a farmer can get the money to build up infrastructure to say um, start a minimum till uh, program or do cover cropping or get better drainage on some of his fields or conserve water that's a kind of risk mitigation that's long term and that's equally as important do you feel like um, I mean you you grew up on this farm your family's been in the business for, you mentioned like how, how many, uh, over a century now yeah. at least? So yeah. More than a hundred years. I guess in your lifetime of just being in this industry, when you look at the issue of climate change, what, uh, the, we're talking drought, we're talking increased rain, but has it been sort of gradual? Like what are the biggest things that you've noticed? I don't think it's been gradual at all, actually. I. I started as the primary operator of the farm in 2016, 2016, and it became very apparent to me right away that this was going to be a challenge that I would have to contend with more so than my parents. And I feel that in the last, since that time, that it's just gotten worse. And I'm not saying it's apocryphal. It's not. There are definitely things that we can do, again, to mitigate the risk and even to kind of um, stop some of the extreme weather that we're, that we're having. Um, but I, I do think that it's, it's not time to throw in the towel, for sure. I think that there is a lot of hope out there. You know, with the increased rainfall like in the spring if because the ground is just too muddy to really do a lot of planting pushing back the planting um but then you're hit with like a drought sort of shortly after just how does that mess things up i suppose um with just the normal kind of timeline of how things should work with spring summer fall it's important to plant on time. There's, right. no, there's an ideal window. If you plant after the ideal window, um, you're gonna lose yield. And it's not just use, losing yield, you're also putting your herbicide program back, which makes it harder for you to control your weeds throughout the year. 
because if you can't get ahead of your weeds early in the season, you're just going to be fighting them continually throughout the year. So not only are you going to lose yield because you planted late, but you're also fighting weed pressure that could also affect your yield. Uh, then on top of that, of course, you're pumping a lot more water, um, which affects your bottom line. So maybe not yield, but definitely the amount of money that you can make per acre. You're also increasing the wear and tear on your equipment because you've created the, this, this environment in your field. With the research component of this farm, which is, as you were explaining to me before, is the main focus here, how has these weather changes also sort of simultaneously changed the research that goes on here with soybeans or rice or, or corn? In terms of maybe what you might have been looking for, I don't know, 10 years ago with a certain variety, what seems to be more important now in terms of varieties that people or companies are, are wanting to develop and take to market eventually? Yeah, so I love what we do because we get to see things before they hit the market. And there has definitely been a shift in um, looking at genetics that are going to be that are going to make varieties withstand higher stress conditions. So we've seen varieties that are specifically bred to do better in a drought. Um, some that do better on uh, clay soils that can more easily be saturated with water. Uh, these are the kinds of things that companies are looking for when they're developing new varieties. Um, they're also looking for diseases that can occur if you have, say, a particularly wet summer um, and you're at a higher risk of, say, um, a fungal infection, then you might have a variety that is particularly resistant to that. So that's exciting. I mean, they are definitely breeding soybeans with these more extreme weather trends in mind. I went to a field day and a guy uh, from the NRCS said, look, I don't want to talk about why climate change is happening but we have to talk about it. And like I said, that's a good conversation to have. Um, there are certainly farmers that don't think that climate change is human caused. I think that's fine. Just as long as we recognize that it's happening and that there are things we can do about it, at least on an agricultural level, as far as our farming practices go. When we were out in the fields looking at the water rice and the row rice, mm -hmm. That would be one example of, you You said maybe as soon as next year, getting just having all row rice. Yes, I'm very excited about that because if you wanna talk about drought, water use has been our biggest concern to this point. Not because we're running out, but because we have to pump the water out using diesel or electric, and that's very costly. So whatever we can do, to conserve our water usage is a win for us. And that's what row rice does. Any other things that you're, are upcoming, maybe in the next couple of years, that would be more, uh, I guess, more geared towards adapting mm -hmm. even further to these extreme weather conditions? Yeah. I've got so many things I'm excited about. <laughs> if the money's there, obviously the money has to be there. We have to make good yield so that I can actually fund some of this stuff. Um, we're getting a quote on the solar array right now. On a, sorry, on a Solar array. Okay. I'm super excited about that. Um, I kid you not, our energy bill last month was $20,000.
and a solar array costs about 250000 and that could supply our whole farm. I mean, that ROI, that's a no-brainer right there. Um, we are uh, going to start cover cropping, which I'm excited about. Um, this will be our first year. I think we're going to probably do a, like a 30 to 50 acre test. Uh, we are converting all of our wells to electric because we are tired of diesel wells. They are expensive and inefficient. Um, we have 12 wells and six of them are electric. We just converted four, so we have plans to convert the other six. The challenge there is that two years ago it cost $7,000 to convert a well, and now it costs 10, thanks to COVID and supply chain issues. So when I'm working all of these scenarios um, and trying to figure out what our return on investment is, I keep getting screwed up by all these challenges that just keep popping up. I guess what I'm hearing from you though is that for maybe some farms, smaller farms, you said new farmers, um, it's almost like a vicious cycle because you have the impact of these weather conditions, whether it be a lot of rain or like what we're experiencing right now, the extreme heat and drought, which has an impact on the bottom line of farmer, but then to become more risk averse to these changes in climate, it's quite a bit of investment, it sounds like. It is. But if your bottom line year over year is not improving, you don't have the capital to actually mitigate, and so you're just continually falling sort of more and more prey to right. these weather conditions and you maybe can't dig your way out of it. Right. Uh, that's why farmers are beating the conservation drum. They're saying to our representatives, um, we need we need more money in equip. We need more money in the USDA programs, so that smaller farmers can have access to these things that will help them save money. If you can afford to to convert to row rice and save money, uh, then that's a win. But if you can't afford to get there, then you're not going to save the money. You're right. You just have that vicious cycle. So I'm super hopeful that a lot more farmers are going to get access to this really soon. What has this just been like for you personally in terms of the, um, I, I feel like people who are in farming and especially it's been such a generational business for you and your family that there's definitely like a, a love to it. But, and I know it's, you hear a lot about mental health issues with farmers, um, high suicide rates, what kind of toll does this take on you personally? Just you mentioned uh, just having to think about all of it. Um, has it affected, how has it affected you? So when I started farming in 2016, I knew that this was going to be an issue. I mean, I, I think there was enough talk about it that I immediately said to myself, okay, this is something that we're going to have to be ready for. Uh, I think that's helped, just anticipating that it's coming. Um, I don't feel like I've been caught with my pants down, does that make sense? Uh, so that helps. Um, I, th I think that farming is, you really have to like digging in the dirt, first of all. Um, 
I think we are already mentally equipped to deal with some of the more stressful uh, years, I think because we know that they're coming uh, eventually. Um, of course, the mental health problems come in when you have problem after problem after problem that eventually leads to um, either going under or being completely financially uh, unsustainable. I think one of the other issues is that there's not as much community now as there used to be. When I was a kid, there was a cafe, a diner down the street, and my dad and I would go there every Sunday morning and he'd have coffee with the farmers and they would talk about things. They'd talk about what was going on in their farms, they'd talk about family, and um, that doesn't happen right now. But there's a lot of cool stuff going on to provide um, younger farmers with that community online, which I think is really cool um, and I think could be really helpful. As far as the toll that the drought, this this particular drought will have on us moving forward is kind of TBD mm -hmm. <laughs> because the harvest isn't in yet. Um, I'm really interested to see where we end up. Obviously it will it will differ field to field because um, that's kind of just how it is based on the kind of well you have, the kind of drainage you have, the kind of soil type you have. But I'm really interested to see how things are going to stack up at the end of the year in terms of cost of inputs and yield. Um, I'd like to better understand financially what the toll has been. So no, I'm not looking forward to it, but I, I like to understand that. I feel like it gives me some sort of sense of comfort so that I can be ready for it the next year. For the second episode in our series about farming and extreme weather patterns in Arkansas, I'll be speaking with John Anderson, a professor and head of the University of Arkansas's Agricultural Economics and Agribusiness Department. He's also the director of the Fryer Price Risk Management Center of Excellence. That interview will drop next Wednesday, August 17th. As always, thanks for listening.